I started uh, with Acts chapter 27, and this is a sequel, so because it's a sequel, I'll just go back and tell you what happened last week very briefly. Um, the desire for me is I want people to be disciples of Jesus. For that, we need to know the word of God, how God dealt with the, his church. And Acts is... Uh, contains 30 years of the history, first 30 years of the church, how the church touched the world around them and how the gospel continued to spread. And today we are still impacted by what the church did 30 years ago. Wow. So part and parcel of this is I take passages of scripture and I expound the scripture and let the scripture speak to us that we might get to know God and the Bible says, he who knows God thus exploits. Okay. So uh, here, last week, in order to remember, I split it up into three S's. I talked about the sailing, the storm, and the shipwreck. The sailing, the storm, and the shipwreck. Today, I'm going to add the fourth one, the snake bite. Okay. So we got four things there. So the sailing, the, uh, Paul was a prisoner in Caesarea under both Felix and Festus and Agrippa. He had stood before and given his testimony to these people. And uh, he had appealed to Caesar because the, the, uh, the Jewish leaders who did not believe that Jesus is the Messiah wanted Paul dead. So Paul says, I'm a Roman citizen. I need to be tried in a Roman court. And I don't want to be tried in some quango court. So I appeal to Caesar. And Felix's word is, to Caesar you appeal, to Caesar you shall go. More than all these things, when he was a prisoner in the barracks in Jerusalem, he was at a low end. And the Bible says Jesus appeared to him, the Lord appeared to him and told him, 
as you have borne witness for me in Jerusalem, you will bear witness for me in Rome. So God had already spoken that he would go to Rome. However, when you expect God to speak to you, you expect everything to be plain sailing, it should be a cakewalk. Sometimes that's not the case. He stayed for two years in prison in Caesarea. After two years, at the appointed time, the prisoners were going to be taken from Caesarea to Rome to be tried before Caesar. So Paul is one of those prisoners who's been taken. So he takes, they put him on a boat with a uh, a commander, if you like. He's, uh, he's a representative of Rome and uh, he, that centurion, takes him uh, on the boat uh, from Caesarea to Sidon and from Sidon they sail and they go as far as a place called Myra. That's the sailing event. Okay? And the book of Acts, Luke records the fact that it was uh, the fast was over, and I said the fast was one of the autumn festivals, the, the feast of Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement, so it's long gone, which means winter has started. It's not the time for sailing. So here's Paul, he makes his, he, he speaks to uh, the, the captain of the ship and he talks to the, uh, the commander and tells him that it's not advisable to sail at this time. He was using his common sense. He said it would result in uh, loss of cargo and possibly loss of lives. But they don't listen to him. They, they put him on a larger ship, which, called, which is from Alexandria, and they're sailing to Rome, and the storm happens. And, uh, and one of the applications I brought up was how do we respond when people don't listen to you? Uh, you can see how Paul responds. Paul latterly speaks a second time and he helps them in the middle of the storm, just before the shipwreck. He speaks to them again. He says to them very practically, he says two more pieces of advice. He says to them, all of us should stay on board, otherwise we will perish. On another occasion, he says to them, you guys have not eaten for 14 days. We need to eat some food. So, he didn't say like, you know, I told you so and just stop there. He did say, I told you before and you didn't, you didn't take heed. That was, he was saying that in order uh, to say something else which God had spoken to him while he was in that ship, Again, the angel of God appeared to Paul and told him that none of them will die. The storm happens and the shipwreck happens. They are lightening the load, they're throwing aboard the tackle and uh, finally the ship hits, runs aground and the ship is being broken up. And the common practice was that Roman soldiers would kill all the prisoners, lest they escape, they would be killed. So they're about to do that, but the centurion did not want uh, uh, Saul to die. God grants him favor, and uh, so he says, anyone who can swim, it's your opportunity to swim. And they uh, jump out and swim to the shore, 
and the rest of them were asked to hold on to uh, pieces of wood of the broken parts of the boat or the shed and they were uh, eventually they're being washed ashore. So, so I kind of told you what happened. You had the sailing, you had the, uh, the storm, and you had the shipwreck. My question is, God is sovereign in all these circumstances. circumstances. Sometimes in life we kind of think that if God has spoken, it should be a cakewalk, it should be straightforward, there should be no trials. But sometimes it's not the case. But in this, the application for us is to remember that God is sovereign over all circumstances. And what God has promised, he is able to fulfill. So those are two things you've got to take on board. And Paul was also a very practical, uh, he was a spiritual leader, he was also a practical leader. In terms of spiritual leader, he was able to stand up and say, God, the angel of God, the God whom I belong to, the God whom I serve and worship, told me this. He was able to say that very clearly and he also was able to, before they ate that, before uh, that uh, after that 14 days of not eating, Paul says, you must eat. And then he takes food in front of these sailors who are kind of really at a low ebb. And he gives thanks to God. He breaks the bread and eats it. And then they all take courage and eat the bread. So he was calm in the middle of a storm. You can only be calm, the application is you can only be calm in the middle of a storm if you know your God. You can only be calm in the middle of a storm if you treasure his words and his promises. So I want to encourage you, why not hide God's word in your heart? Why not get to know him in a, in a very personal way? Have conversations with him. Talk to him about everything. Not just the, the high points, the low points. Talk to him. Talk to, build that intimacy with God. When you have spoken with him, then you can be sure, just like the book of Proverbs puts it, acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your paths. So in, in, in my life, I do get storms. When I face these storms, one thing I'm sure is that I have spoken with God everything. So because I have spoken with him, even though I'm facing the storm, I have stopped to acknowledge that he is, and I trust him, I trust his sovereignty. So it gives me strength to face the day. Because he lives, I can face my tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I'd say fear God and you have you, you don't have to fear anyone. You get the picture? So, they all escaped, and I'm told that there are 270, 270, let me just look it up in my notes, 270, let's see, they were, okay, they were about 276 people in the boat. That's a lot of people. And all 276 made it to the shore. 
The island was called Malta. I went on holiday to Malta and so has Lee and her family been to Malta. It's a lovely island. And uh, um, the Bible records that the natives of Malta were um, unusually kind uh, to these people, the 276, was it? Yeah, 276. They were unusually kind, but if you look at the Greek, it says the natives, it says the barbarians of Malta. You know, you know, what do you mean by a barbarian? In those days, in, 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 anyone who was, did not have the Greek etiquette was considered as unrefined barbarian, you know. So, so, the, so the people in the boat did not expect anyone who did not have that Greek etiquette to be kind. So they were expecting an island mentality. You know what an island mentality is? We are an island nation, aren't we? And at the moment there's lots going on in politics. Island mentality. So, you know, there are some pluses as well. Island mentality is come what may, keep calm and carry on. That's island mentality. Come hell or high water, like John Major said, we will carry on, he said. Um, that's one of our former prime ministers, for those of you who are foreign uh, or from another country, or too young to remember John Major. Okay, so that's besides the point. Island mentality is they always look after themselves. They're quite suspicious of anyone else coming into the island. So, but this was not the case. They were unusually kind. God granted this 272 people favor. What did they do? These guys were uh, been drifting at sea. They were wet. They were cold. They were hungry. They were frankly fed up. And they showed kindness. What did they do? They kindled a fire. And they gave them some food to eat. Application. Be kind to strangers. Be kind to foreigners. People who are tired, wet and hungry and fed up. Be kind to them. Light a fire for them. Welcome them. Be hospitable to them. An application again there. So, again, the next bit is Paul was a servant leader. He didn't sit there and say, yeah, bring some more twigs, will you? The fire is going down. He didn't. All great men are servants. There is no job beneath their station to do. So, uh, here's an application for you straight away. You know, I don't know what your backgrounds are. Maybe some of you might have grown with silver spoons. I'm not sure. But if you are, there's no job beneath your station. Come on, roll up your sleeves and get working for the kingdom of God. There's nothing beneath your station. Paul gathered up some twigs and he put it on the fire. As he was doing so, the warmth of the fire woke up a snake that was asleep. And that snake fastened to his hand, 
in the Bible it says is a viper. I'm going to, there are a few people who have, you know, sometimes people like to do a critique on the Bible. They said, oh, in Malta there was no venomous snakes. This is true, now there is no venomous snakes in Malta, but like in many places there were venomous snakes and as population increased they killed them. Those days there were venomous snakes and another criticism they make is vipers strike with their fangs, they don't fasten themselves, they, they, they strike with their fangs and retreat, that's what they do. But I want to put across that again, sometimes when snakes strike, sometimes their fangs do get caught in something and therefore they hang. It was not like they were kind of trying to eat Paul's hand. Okay? So get, get the picture. So here is a man who was trying to help and, you know, have you been in a situation you went to help and man, you ran into trouble? This is a case for Paul. He didn't sit there and say, am I in the will of God? Is God punishing me? He didn't. He just shook the thing, the snake, back into the fire. That's what he did. Okay. The people who were watching, they seen that he had survived the storm. He has survived the sea. Now, a snake bit him. People are fickle. People are opinionated. So they're not only fickle and opinionated, they are vocal. Criticisms come without invitation. So here's a situation where people say like, he must be surely a murderer, an evil man. Justice is caught up with him. Or in the modern term, the fancy word is karma. And they were expecting him to swell up and fall dead, but he didn't. Then immediately they changed their mind, he must be a god. Both of them were wrong. He wasn't, he wasn't an evil murderer, nor was he, he did of course hold Cassius lot, you know, when people were being stoned, martyrs were being stoned, of course he casted his lot. But he wasn't a direct murderer as such, nor was he a god. And Paul, God uses this, op this opportunity to open doors for ministry. The word quickly got around. A notable citizen by name is Publius. And Publius had, um, uh, he invited Paul and his team. I don't know whether he invited the whole 272 people for three days to stay in, a, in his estate. Or was it just Paul and his immediate team? I don't know. But he was invited. God granted favor. Sometimes even the most unfortunate of circumstances could be turned around by God for you to find favor. Okay? Here is Paul enjoying the hospitality initially of the islanders and now of uh, the, uh, the, uh, the leading citizen. And Publius's father was suffering from dysentery. If you have a, a, a King James Version, I just read it, I cracked up laughing. It said, he suffered of high fever and a bloody flux, it said. 
He was a dysentery. And Paul goes and meets him and prays for him and heals him. I would encourage you, visit the sick. Pray for the sick. And, you know, you, Paul, when he prayed, what, what would he have prayed? He would have prayed, Jesus, heal him. And Jesus healed him. So I, I would say, don't be surprised if God answers your prayer. Sometimes we kind of, kind of, oh, what if, what if. I don't worry about what if. Someone comes and is in, is in trouble, pray for them. We have a prayer team. Is it green lanyards? They'll be here. Nothing is too big for God, is it? God is, God is big. You can come and ask God for anything. Is that fair enough? Why not come and ask these people to join you in prayer and ask God for an answer for something that you're going through in life? Don't carry your burden by yourself. Paul was moved with compassion. Paul met this man. Paul prayed for this man. And the moment this healing took place, that opened a door of ministry for other people in the island who were sick, came to Paul and Paul prayed and ministered to them. In my life, I would say that sometimes when I've prayed, uh, people have uh, received healing. At other times, not. But I'm not so much concerned about me. I'm concerned about the person. I'd love to pray for people who are going through crisis. Because I'd, it's, it's God's heart. He does not enjoy his children, people suffering. So one more thing I would like to point across is when Paul was sharing his testimony on the boat, he wasn't doing what he called as an aggressive evangelism. He didn't take a megaphone and he stand up and say, you guys are going to hell. He didn't do that. What he did was he said simply, the God whom I belong to, the God whom I serve and worship, he has communicated this with me. I want to communicate that with you. He did that with respect. He did that, he did that with gentleness. He did that with persuasion. He was talking about his experience, his walk with God. And he was very practical. So, and, and then he find, you find that um, in verse 9, he says, When this was done, the rest of the island came who had diseases also, and they came and were healed. Did Paul heal? What did he do? He appealed to God to heal and God healed. Prayer simple as that. You're ministering to others based on God's resources in God's name. Okay. In verse 10 it says, They also honored us in many ways. When we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Paul, mind you, Paul was a prisoner yet was a leader. He, he was limited, yet unlimited. You get the picture? Do, do you, do you, do you, um, can you picture yourself? I'm limited, but I'm working with God, unlimited. So I would encourage you as we uh, look, as we just tie that bit of the thing, let's go back and look at them so that you can remember easily the sailing, the storm, the shipwreck, the snake bite. 
In it all, the next yes, God was sovereign. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through in your lives. Remember, he is sovereign over us. And when you have to be, uh, when you, as a leader in a secular situation, remember, be a servant leader. Don't be proud. There's nothing to be proud of. There's only one thing you can't boast about, that's Jesus. Okay? So I want to encourage you. And uh, lastly, I would say, if you need prayer, we would love to pray for you, uh, whatever you're going through. And uh, should we pray? Father, we want to thank you for your scriptures. Lord, it's so easy for us sometimes to forget that you're sovereign over our circumstances and we panic like crazy. Help us, Lord, not to be like that. Help us to treasure your words, to spend time with you. In knowing you, we can be calm when seemingly all hell breaks loose. Help us, Lord, we pray. We ask when we have opportunity to share our faith with others, help us to do so with gentleness, with respect, from experience. Help us, Lord, to serve other people. We ask, Lord, will you share your heart of compassion? I mean, as the scripture says, you were moved with compassion as you proclaim the kingdom of God and you demonstrated the kingdom by healing those who are unwell. We just pray, Lord, we can do nothing without you. We don't claim to say we are superheroes or any of those. We just come and say, Lord, in our weakness, come and show your strength. In our foolishness, come and show your wisdom. We would like to make you known. Help us, Lord, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.